Welcome back. You're listening to Sport Tay. I'm your host, Taylor, and we have our co-host, Hayden, back on the panel with us today. Good day, Tay. How are you going? I'm going good. We have a huge episode lined up for you today. We are hitting the track and speaking to Australian runner Luke Matthews. Luke competes in both 800 metres and 1500 metre events. Not only did he represent Australia at the 2016 Rio Olympics, but last year he competed in the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast and won a bronze medal in the 800 metres. He also made the final of the 1500 metre event. A huge congratulations and a huge welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So three years back in 2016, you obviously competed at the Olympics. Your first ever major championship. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was kind of like mixed emotions, really. You know, my kind of memories of sport were kind of two things. Like, the thing that I can remember growing up is, like, the 2000 AFL Grand Final, watching Essendon versus Melbourne, Mm. thinking, you know, one day I'd like to, you know, win a Brownlow or win, like, an AFL Premiership or something like that. My other one was watching, like, Kathy Freeman... Uh, win the 400 meter gold in 2000 or Ian Thorpe winning gold in the um, in the swimming so my kind of view of sport has always been I suppose the pinnacle and um, I was fortunate enough to put my mind to something and qualify for the Olympics so that was obviously yeah one of the greatest sporting achievements for me maybe ever or at the time but in terms of actually my performance at the Olympics it was a little bit underwhelming so yeah kind of mixed emotions but at the same time I'm uh, incredibly proud and um and happy that i that i was able to qualify and actually get there in your own words you sort of ran out of steam at that 2016 olympics can you talk us through what was it that led you to run out of steam yeah so the way that i looked at the olympics it was kind of like a year project for me i traveled europe in 2015 and kind of raced on the circuit overseas and did a few races and i kind of came back around the start of august and i said to myself i want to hopefully qualify for the Olympics next year. So I had a couple of weeks off after the European season and then it took me to about maybe August 15th or so. And then I kind of started training, you know, full tilt from there onwards and was just trying to go as hard as I can. And I kind of had a, a bit of doubt that I wasn't going to make it, but I just kind of tried to do everything I could and, you know, did all those little extra one percenters or whatever. By April, I'd qualified, I'd, I'd won the national championships and I'd been selected for the Olympics. And then pretty much the day after the national championships, which doubled as the Olympic trials, I was overseas to America, to altitude, and then I was in altitude for a month. Then I went straight into over to Europe, started racing. You know, by the time end of July, start of August came, I kind of looked back and I just think I've literally had 12 months without pressing the pause button. And uh, when you kind of go 12 months in athletics, training as hard as you can on the edge of your threshold for, for so long, the first thing that happens is your body just doesn't react the way you want it to. So my perception of training was train harder and race better. But really, if I had a crystal ball, I'd probably go back and probably tell myself to, to chill out a little bit and take a bit of a break here and there. Mm. So that was where I suppose the running out of steam came from. Do you think also having the pressure of Australia, do you think that made you grow in that way? Yeah, I think definitely. I think, you know, when you're on the start line, you can't really describe what pressures you have from the stadium, from, you know, having Channel 7 cameras in your face and stuff like that. So I think at the time I probably would have thought, nah, you know, it's just running out of steam. But looking back, that's just one factor out of possibly 10 to 15. So, yeah, I, I think that there's certainly there's, that's certainly something to consider yeah. as well. And it was your first time competing at the Olympics and also your first world championships and where the world was actually watching you. 
Yeah, and I was only um, 20 years old, so I was a pretty young, raw, I suppose even an immature kid trying to compete against, you know, veterans of our sport and trying to compete at a level which was, you know, training at like a, a training level of someone who was like 30 years old. So the way that I look at the Olympics is it's a great sporting achievement for me, but at the same time, it was an incredibly good learning tool as well because... I learned a lot of things what to do to, to qualify and a lot of things what not to do in terms of performance and, and preparation. You actually copped a lot of criticism from the online trolls. <laughs> How did you deal with it mentally and also physically after Rio? I don't know. There wasn't as much m- many trolls as such. There was just a few people here and there coming up to me and saying, you know, what the hell, or a few people saying this and that. But to be honest with you, like the month after the Olympics, I was like pretty down in the dumps. And I think for the next month, I literally... I kind of hardly left my room. The only time I left my room would be on a Friday or a Saturday night to go out with my friends. So I was pretty, I was pretty down in the dumps and pretty upset. I probably didn't do much myself to help it because I was just going out on a Saturday, being hungover on Sunday and Monday, and then just being a, an absolute shit about it. So didn't really deal with it as well as I would have liked. I don't know maybe next time I'll go on a holiday or something like that, or hopefully next Olympics I've I've gone really well and I get to do that whole media tour and <laughs> milk the whole successful athlete thing. And we dug up an old Instagram of yours where you, uh, you took a crack at the armchair critics uh, <laughs> during, during yeah. those, those Olympics. Who, who was that directed at? Uh, I mean, I got a couple of names off the top of my head, but I, I won't name them. There's a few journalists and a few articles that I read, which, you know, I was only a, a 21-year-old kid who was actually, I was, yeah, I just turned 21 in Rio and I read these articles, which pretty much tore me to shreds. And I, I was honestly like at the absolute pits of the earth. Mm. And I was reading these articles telling me that I was you know essentially shit and I'm just like so I did not need to hear that so yeah I suppose the I I, I definitely copped a lot of uh, criticism and um, I copped a lot of people coming up to me just saying what the hell because you know <clears throat> I think that people assume that if you're going to go to the Olympics you're going to win an Olympic gold medal and that's really hard to do even on the best of days mm. so people have kind of dug that up a couple of times and I look back and I think Uh, Maybe I probably would have worded that differently, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, at the time, I read a lot of stuff from people who were just, you know, writing articles from their couch, and it uh, it hurt a lot. (laughs) And when most Australians, and particularly Victorians, think of sort of media scrutiny, they probably think about the AFL media and, and cricket in the summer. What do you think the differences are between the media coverage track and field athletes get and our football and, and cricket players? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's a good question, and it, I think this is probably just a just a reflection of where athletics is. Is that I feel like athletics kind of only gets the attraction or the media attention that AFL players get weekly. We get that maybe once every four years. And then we might get a little bit of that during the Com Games. We might get a small touch of that during our World Championships every two years. So I'd say that, yeah, it's, it's incredibly, if you compare it to, you know, AFL, basketball, cricket, rugby, anything like that, it's minuscule. And then at the, but then at the same time, for that two, three weeks when the Olympics is on or leading up to the Olympics, it's, it's pretty intense. But yeah, there's like, you know, 11 months of the year where people would forget about track and field athletes as a whole. But I think that comes on the back of um, maybe just like athletes in the sport of athletics just aren't as good as, you know, swimmers or AFL players, or maybe it's not as attractive to younger kids or the media. But um, I think on the contrary, though, like Sally Pearson retired the other day from athletics and I feel like I've, that's the only mm. thing I've read about in the past week. So it's it's kind of got its ebbs and flows. But yeah, comparing on a even scale all year round... Athletics doesn't quite get as much attention as, yeah, AFL. Do you think that you'll ever Google and read articles about yourself again? I mean, not that I was Googling myself. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think 
I don't know. I've listened to a lot of people, like uh, professional players who don't read articles and other players who do, but I feel like, I don't know, I'm always on social media, I'm always on Twitter, I'm always on stuff like that, and, and naturally you're going to come across articles that are on yourself or whatever, but I think that for me personally, I'll, I'll never shy away from that because I, I always like to know what people think of me and people what people have to say about me because I suppose an athlete does have to have a bit of a, a public image as well. So I think, yeah... While I'm in sport, I'll probably always read articles on myself, whether that's I'm accidentally doing it or doing it on purpose. And for someone that sort of seems so positive and out there on social media, that, that's sort of pretty surprising to hear that, that you were so down in the dumps and sort of shied away from the public for, for such a period of time. Do you think you, you learned from that or do you think that's just your natural reaction? Yeah, I, I, the, thing with, the thing I think with the emotions is that you can't really control them. You know, if, if I see something in the street and, you know, if, if someone gets say for example if someone gets hit by a car and say for example if I cry about it like I, I that's like I can't really control that mm. so I feel like it's it's one of those things where you know if I was to go really well you know and you see me after a race doing a cartwheel or you see me crying with emotion I feel like that's just something that I can't control and then on the contrary if I run really bad and I'm crying or I'm, I'm upset or I'm not upset once again it's something I can't control so I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in terms of 2016, I probably, the month after the Olympics, I probably didn't deal with it as best as possible. Maybe next time I'll, you know, not just go out with my mates and get drunk and just sit in my room and play PlayStation. Maybe next time I'll do something to make myself feel better, but... What games like, were you playing? Oh, I think at the time I was playing FIFA and Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those things. I, I just like to say that hopefully the next Olympics I've... I've ran really well. Hopefully I can go on a holiday and enjoy myself, but yeah. uh, I won't know until about, yeah, 12 months' time. Well, it definitely sounds like you had a rollercoaster year, both mentally and physically. But then, let's talk about 2017. So, after the Olympics, how did you get back on track? Because Worlds was in 2017. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty tough. I was incredibly unfit. I, like I said, my post-Olympic antics with my friends, I probably went a bit overboard and I was eating bad food and I was drinking a lot of beer and having a lot of fun. So I put on like, I think it was like eight to nine kilos. So I was pretty, in terms of me, like as a, <laughs> not, maybe not to the normal person, but for me, I was pretty overweight. I was... You could probably feel that when you're running. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you're, you know, 10% of your body weight or not 10%, but whatever it is, but when you're a certain amount of your body weight heavier, you definitely feel it every stride. So yeah, it was pretty tough, but I, I think I just kind of had the approach that I had a lot of time to work with. So I just told myself that if I was fit by about April 1st, which is when our national championships were, I felt like that would be a good benchmark. I'd go to training. I was with my, my former coach. I, I'd go to training with um, with his group and I'd literally be going there and I'd be getting beaten by girls, by people who were unfit. But I kind of just said to myself, it's just you know, I put myself in this situation, I just have to take time. So, And then it got to about January 1st, um, kind of the start of February, and I just said, all right, it's time, to, it's time to switch into gear. So I just trained as hard as I can for those, like, two months leading up to the national champs, and then I was fortunate enough to win the national champs by, I think it was 0.03 or 0.04 of a second, and then went over to Europe and kept that momentum going, qualified for world champs, and then, yeah, was in Europe and kept racing and somehow made it to world champs. Did you ever feel the pressure of what happened at Rio? Did you think that it could repeat? I definitely did at some points when I was in Europe because I got into I got into a good momentum, I got into a good rhythm with racing and training and that took me up until about the middle of June and then um, by the middle of June I was going to these races, training really hard and 
I kind of had the exact same thing happening. I'd, I'd get to the start line and I feel like I'd have nothing in the last lap or I'd, I'd be in training and be just started to get absolutely spanked by my training partners or whatever. So I remember it was, yeah, about the tail end of June, just thinking, oh no, it's going to happen all over again. And I remember speaking to my mum back home when I was in London, just thinking, I think it's just going to happen again. And I felt like I was in a bit of a vulnerable situation, but it was definitely scary. And I, I think now, like, I always get to a point where I think I've trained too hard and I kind of just have those, like, it's it's not like it's not like a really bad thing, but I just think, oh, you know, maybe I've maybe I've cooked myself, or maybe I trained too hard and I've, I'm running out of steam again. So it's just things that I need to consider now. But yeah, it was definitely something in the back of my mind that I had to always keep track of. And you said you spoke to your mum back home. She's now your coach, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of role has she played in sort of your resurgence in form? Obviously, winning bronze then at the Commonwealth Games in 2018. So mum's always been like a. She's kind of been like a pillar or like a. She's always been like a part of me as a, I suppose, an athlete. So when I was younger, playing footy or playing, you know, just doing athletics, I felt like she was always at every session. Whether she was my coach or not, she was at every session I've ever been to, every race I've ever been to. She was always the one when, you know, like year 10, year 11, you know, and I was starting to go out and starting to have fun. She'd be the one that was, you know, instead of me wanting to go to parties, she'd say, no, you have to stay at home, you have to do, you know, you have to train the next day. Even with my my year 12 studies or university, she's the one that's always pushing me, pushing me to, you know, study, you know, do my university subject, you know, whatever it is. So she's always been a a factor and um, she's coached me for two parts of my career. So I think she coached me from year 10 or year 11 until uh, the start of 2015. And then she's coached me since the tail end of 2017 until now and then going forward. So... She, yeah, she's been uh, pretty key in um, kind of, one, as a young kid, motivating me to, I suppose, stay in sport and motivating me to be successful in every aspect of life. And now she's my coach. Now it's a bit different. I feel like I'm more on the side of I want to train harder, where mum's kind of now says, you know, you have to pull it back a little bit. And then at the same time, off the track, she's the one that's saying, no, Luke, you shouldn't be going to Bulldogs Essendon on Saturday night which I'm going to do on Saturday. She's like, no, you should, you should be, you should be resting in bed before you, you go for Essendon. Yeah. So she's like, so she's like, she should be resting in bed before your hard training session on Sunday. So yeah, mum's a, yeah, she's massive. And I'd say a lot of my success, whether she was my coach at the time or not my coach has been partly due to her. You swapping coaches in 2017 and getting coached by your mum. Was that your turning point? I'd say yes and no. I mean, it's kind of hard to put a label on it because she'd got me as an athlete who had been to the Olympics for two events and then also been to the World Championships. So um, in terms of turning point, I mean, yes and no. I was already competing at a very high level. Like I'd gone to the pinnacle of athletics the year before she picked me up. So it's hard to say turning point in the sense that my career changed completely, but I feel like she is the reason now that I've in 2018 like I think if I had been with any other coach I don't think I would have gotten a bronze at Com Games I don't think that I would have won say you know nationals in 2018 and 2019 in a really convincing fashion and and stuff like that so it's hard to say you say that she steered you in the right direction yeah definitely and I feel like mum's definitely someone that's designed a program a training program which is specifically catered for me she I suppose like dedicates her life to one, making me a, a better athlete and making me a better person. So I know turning point might not be the right word, but maybe just maybe getting the most out of myself. She's been the one that's been able to do that the best. Your mum always knows best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like in, I was in Europe this year and I was kind of swaying away from our training program and 
I was like a month down the track and I just started to race like absolute shit. And then I eventually came back to the training program which she designed and I started racing better. So can't doubt my mum. And how special is that sort of being able to sh- share in your success <coughs> with your mum in a professional capacity as well as personal and family capacity? It's really good. I really like that our immediate family, like my brother, sister, dad and mum, we have like a really good team aspect to our family. And mm. I kind of feel like, yeah, when we'll go on a Com Games and, and stuff like that, we... You know, we were kind of all doing it together, even though it was just me and mum, she's my coach. But, you know, for example, like I go to training on Tuesdays and Saturdays and my dad's pacing me on the bike. I have my sister just being there for moral support. So it is really good to have that kind of team family aspect. On the other side, it's also pretty stressful because um, not only is my mum, my mum, you know, person who I love and a person who loves me and it's you know wants the best out of me she's also my coach so the expectation of an athlete and a son doubles and I was actually saying this story to someone the other day I remember Com Games 800 meter final it was you know 40,000 people in Carrara State uh Metro Carrara yeah Carrara State whatever it was 40,000 people there I'm, I'm just about to do the Commonwealth Games final channel seven all my friends are there and they say on your marks the stadium goes dead silent and in my head I just go Far out. I wonder what mum's thinking right now. So it's like, so it's, yeah, so. Dude, you're telling me that was what was going through. I was literally, the gun. Not that, oh no, I don't want to fall start. Yeah, or nah. like, oh no, nah. like, I just want to run my heart out here, nah. but what will my mum be thinking? Yeah, exactly, because mum's a very, uh, she's gotten better as we've, we've kind of gotten more and more involved with the sport, but I remember when I was like 18 or 19 and I'd go to like national championships or whatever and she wouldn't eat for like a whole weekend because she was so nervous that the food she'd actually put into her body, she ended up vomiting out or something like that. So yeah, just because now, like, yeah, because she is a very like emotionally engaged person, it's an all-in approach. So, and yeah, she, she's a very emotional lady as well, but she's managed to keep it together. But yeah, it's funny how I'm on the start line and it's kind of good because I'm just thinking far out. If I'm nervous, I can only imagine what mum's thinking right now. So... I like it. It's not all rainbows and, you know, it's not all a fairy tale. We do get along really well, but at the same time we fight and we disagree about a lot of things. But when we work together and everything's going well, it's pretty hard to beat. Do you live with her? Yeah, I'm away for so much of the year. I considered getting a place with one of my mates or something like that, but I'm not in Australia long enough to justify getting a place. So my brother moved away, we downsized. My sister moved out, downsized. So now we're in a two-bedroom apartment, me, mum and dad. And apartment with your mum and dad and one of those being your coach, living just across the living room from you, gets a lot smaller mm. when you're living with your coach. Do you leave the business side at the track or does it come home with you as well? I'd say we try to leave it at the track, but at the same time, like, athletics is kind of a 24-7 sport. When you're not training, you're kind of training because, you know, like, when you're not training, you're recovering. When you're, when you're not recovering, you're probably doing something like, you know, you're going out with your mates or you're out you know, watching the footy or something like that. So I feel like it's an ongoing sport. It's the same with athletics and training. Like, you know, we might be in bed, I might be in bed and mum will come in and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Oh, maybe we should be doing this. And and then I'll be like, no, mum, like, I don't want to talk about it now. But then at the same time, I'll have an idea in my head and I'll go to mum. And we try to, I'd say there's times here and there where I just say, no, it's too much. But I feel like it's kind of, it's always it's ongoing. Exactly, well. exactly. And you grew yeah. up with the sport. Yeah, and you know, I wish. Yeah, like you had Billy Gowers in the other day. I feel like when Billy stops training for football or stops playing football, he can go home and not think about footy for you know a day or two, and it'll be the exact same. I feel like athletics is a little bit different because you're training so much, so often, and you're doing it by yourself. So there's so much time to think about it, and 
it'd be the same thing. For example, if Billy was to live with Bevo, I'm certain that they'd be talking mm. about football a lot more than yeah. So that's just it's ongoing. It's yeah. So there's never really an off button. And so obviously with your mum as the coach, but then how much oversight does Athletics Australia and how much influence do they have on the way you train, if they have any at all? For me personally, they don't have a whole heap of like input. I'm on like Athletics Australia funding, which means like I get a certain amount of money from them and they pay for like a few expenses here and there. And there's requirements in that. Like I have to speak to like a representative once every couple of weeks. And for me personally, I just tell them what I'm doing, what my plans are what mum's doing and that's about it with uh with some of the sprinters and some of the technical athletes i know that there's a bit more of a hands-on approach from athletics australia but for me it's just a yep i'm going well and and that's it and then leading up to world champs i might have to say that yeah these are my travel plans or this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to do leading up to 10 days before or whatever but not a whole heap if you got your shit together with athletics australia and you're going well they can't really mm. do much bad so it's uh it's all pretty good let's rewind and actually talk about last year the 2018 commonwealth games up at the gold coast in front of a massive home crowd so you already said what you were thinking at the start yeah. line, but talk to us about when you finished the race what was going through your mind could you actually comprehend that you got a bronze medal yeah i could i mean so i yeah it was it was a bit of a weird race the 800 i kind of like was in a really good position for 500 metres and I faded back and then I was almost in last place and then I kind of, I passed about three or four people down the straight and I remember, I was at the top of the straight and I remember just thinking far out, like I put in all this hard work and I'm going to come close to last in the final and then I remember just chase one person, another person, another person and then I finally got to third and I crossed the line and I'm just like, shit, I just got third and then, because um, what happens is like there's kind of like unofficial results that happen and then... When the results become official, they go up on a big screen. And I remember first came up, second came up, and then third came up. My name came up, and I just kind of let out this big, like, sigh of relief. And then I heard the crowd kind of, like, you know, give a bit of a cheer because they'd seen an Australian come third. I remember just thinking, holy shit, like... What a great feeling. Yeah, I remember thinking, holy shit, like, I've only ever, like... You know, as good as, as, good as a result as fourth is, or as good a result as fifth is, you kind of don't really get anything yeah, for it. Sure. So I feel like, you know, a benchmark for me was to at least get a medal, hopefully to win it. Um, my goal was to win it. I didn't end up winning it. But, you know, if third's the trade-off for winning, I mean, so be it. So, yeah, I remember just thinking, holy shit, like, my, a lot of my family were there, but a lot of my friends were there. But I didn't know where my mum, dad, sister were sitting. I didn't know where one group of my friends were staying. But one, the other group was staying at about the 50-metre mark on the front straight. I remember just thinking... All right, I need to go find my friends. So I didn't know where they were exactly. I just knew roughly where they were. So I just ran over to them and I kind of, I, I knew where they were, but I couldn't see them yet. And then they, one of my mates put up his hands like up like this and, um, and then yeah, had a moment with them and then big hug. And then I feel like every like 10 meters, there was someone that I knew, like someone from athletics, a friend or a cousin or whatever it was. And then finally got to my mum and dad and then that was just like, yeah, the best moment ever. I gave a big family having a hug. My bloody mum and my sister were bawling her eyes out. My brother was on FaceTime because he was in London. <laughs> you got to do a lap afterwards with like the Australian flag and that 30 minutes of seeing everyone on that lap was the best thing ever. That's what so you run for. It's a weird thing because anyone who gets a medal in at a championship, so a Com Games, World Champs, Olympics, it's just a thing now where if you come top three, you do a lap with your flag. And ever since I was a little kid, I've always seen people do that. And I was thinking, oh, I want to do that one day. And then I got to do it, and I'm just like, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're racing in front of a home crowd. Do you think that gave you a little bit of an advantage? Did that kind of, like, spur you on? I remember leading up to it thinking it's probably not, but I reckon it did. Like, I remember when they were, like, introducing our names, like, 
stereotypical as that is, there was literally 40,000 people in a stadium cheering for me. I felt that's what it felt like. So when they introduced me, I was like, lane one, Luke Matthews, just everyone went crazy. And, and then even during the race, I remember we're on the top bend. So after 200 meters and there was a big stadium there. And I remember I was middle of the race just thinking, oh my God, this is so loud. And it was only going to be loud for Australians. So I think it definitely gave some advantage. I don't know what, but I mean, it definitely, definitely did something. And where is your medal now? Uh, it's at the top of my wardrobe. I, so <laughs> Just get it away. Yeah, nah. So when I came back from uh, from Com Games, I I was overseas within like a week. So I planned on getting it put in a frame with like my singlet and and whatever, but just haven't gotten around to it yet. So now, yeah, it's in my wardrobe, and I actually had a look at it the other day, just thinking, shit, like this is pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then talk to us about standing on that podium. What was going through your mind? Um, it was, yeah, I mean, once again, like, it was at the start of the evening session for on the Friday night. It was at the very start, so it wasn't quite a packed stadium, but it was still pretty full, and they kind of shouted out my name, and I gave a big cheer, and I was like, I remember standing on top of this thing, and thinking, gee, I was almost about, to, almost about to cry a little bit here, but that was awesome. Just, I don't know, that, like, literally the next, like, 24 hours from crossing the finish line to the medal podium was just incredible like i just i remember like going on instagram and i'd be getting i'd like be refreshing my notifications and it would just be i was like my followers were just getting like more and more my message inbox was just oh, going you, I, had, I was, you would have had a few yeah. people slide into those dms <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah it was just, yeah. not no not that way <laughs> but um yeah it was just i don't know it was it was something that i might not experience ever again because not many people get to have a, a championship like the Commonwealth Games in their home country. So it was an incredible experience and the race, the podium, the that whole couple of days was just absolutely incredible. So what stage of your preparation are you at now for Tokyo 2020? It's kind of a, I mean, I could quali- you can qualify for the Olympics in 2019. Um, I, wasn't, I didn't do that this year. I just didn't race as well as I would have liked in Europe. But now, I mean, I've got the World Championships in about seven weeks. My goal was to originally qualify for the 1500, but I didn't quite end up doing that. But I've got a qualifier in the 800, so I haven't been selected yet, so I'm hoping to be selected in the in the coming weeks. So for me right now, my next seven to eight weeks is to qualify to do as best as I can at the World Championships. And then after that, I'm going to Europe for like a week or two with my family and then meeting one of my friends over there. Then I'll come back and then I'll pretty much be full steam ahead until the Olympic trials in April and then hopefully the Olympics in July. For Australian fans that don't quite understand and are more football fans and cricket fans, what's the difference in the structure of training for athletics compared to football? Football fans would understand that football has distinct off-season, pre-season and competition. What's it like for athletes? I'd say if you're kind of at a, I'd say a level where you're able to go to the Olympics or the World Championships... I'd say it almost kind of mirrors the AFL season, and I look at that almost the exact same way now. So if you, if you look at it in a 12-month cycle, I feel like our 12-month cycle kind of starts October, September, October, and that's when we start our base and our kind of winter training, I suppose, like just long, boring training. And that's around the same time when AFL starts back, you know, kind of like November 1st for AFL. We um, start training back there, and then we have a domestic season, which is usually from like January to April. And April is usually our trials, so Olympic trials, World Champs trials, or Com Games trials. And we usually have to get up for that, but at the same time, like we want to get through that as best as possible without using all our pennies, if that makes sense. Mm. And then I feel like from then onwards, from April until August, 
I feel like that's when we're kind of getting ready through Europe, qualifying, racing, and then August, which is usually our Olympics, we try to go as best as we can at those. So I feel like for us, I kind of look at it the same as the AFL in the sense that I kind of have to be running at my best by August or September. And I feel like that's what, what an AFL player wants to be doing as well. So it's a little bit different, but I just think for an Australian, start your training block in October or so, race a little bit January, February, March, national championships in April, over to Europe, over to America, and then hopefully by August you're at your best by the Olympics or World Champs. Yeah. At the Australian Trials, is it very competitive with the other athletes? Because only a certain few of you guys can actually represent Australia. Yeah, it is It is pretty intense because it is the best Australian athletes are competing at the national championships. And I feel like in Australia there's a lot of rivalries and a lot of, you know, everyone just wants to be the best. So I always feel like the most cutthroat, the most nervous I am for a race is usually the national champs. So... As well as that, if you win the national championships, you have a spot guaranteed for you at the Olympics or the World Champs if you run a qualifying time. So, yeah, it is pretty intense and it's it's pretty cutthroat. And I was I remember the nationals, the most recent ones, the nationals in April. It was uh, I was yeah I was ridiculously nervous. Who would you say your biggest competitor would be in Australia? In Australia. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing. I do the 8 and the 15, so I kind of got two pools You've of... you got two pools. Two pools of people. So for the 800, there's two Sudanese 800-meter runners, Joseph Deng and Peter Boll. They're really good, and they actually compete for my club. So we kind of got a bit of a rivalry, but at the same time, we're really good friends. And there's a couple 800-meter runners around that mark as well. And then in the 1500, I feel like the 1500 is slowly becoming one of the hardest events to qualify for in Australia. There's a really good guy going around at the moment called Stuart McSwain. Uh, we haven't raced a whole heap, but... You know, we're kind of buying for the same spots. My old training partner is slowly becoming a rival, Ryan Gregson. And then there's a, another guy coming through called Matt Ramsden, who's two years younger than me. Those three in the 1500 were my three old training partners. Fair bit of rivalry. But yeah, so the Nationals, I competed against Gregson and Ramsden. And yeah, that was kind of pretty tense in the warm-up. And, but then the race was over and it was everything's fine. So yeah, it's a bit of rivalry. But at the same time, I... It motivates you. Yeah, it, it does motivate you. And leading up to Nationals, you bloody training hugs you're like thinking shit I want to be the best if that makes sense but you kind of got to think that way but at the same time if you're worried about Australians you're very small minded mm. because you know we're going to be going overseas and I've got to compete against a heap of Kenyans a, a heap of Americans a heap of Europeans so if you're only thinking about being the best Australian well you're not going to go very far you know when you get when you get over to the Olympics or the world champs or whatever it might be and will you train with your rivals in the lead up to events like the national champs or do you tend to stick to training by yourself um it's not that I wouldn't want to train with them. The way that I look at it is if, if there's someone who's as good as me or better than me that I can train with, I feel like that's a, a great way to train. Mm. But I just think that my mum designs a program which is specifically catered for me and it's not catered for anyone else. And if someone else, you know, like a 800-meter runners or the 1,500-meter runners in Australia, if they were to do my training, they're probably not going to get the benefit that I do out of it. So... Leading up to it, I you know I don't really train with many of my rivals. I have a couple of training partners that I do some stuff with. A lot of the training that I do at the moment is behind my dad on the bike. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not that I'm against training with any of my rivals because you know I'm pretty cool with most of them. So it's just that yeah, I feel like I get the most out of my training when I'm by myself. <laughs> what event do you tend to focus more on? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, leading up to Com Games, I said that I was going to put all my eggs into one basket and focus on the 800. 2019, I said that I was going to focus on the 1500. But turns out that been running better over the 800. So I don't know. For world champs, it looks like I'll be focusing on the 800. But then for Tokyo, I don't know. It's it's honestly 
Uh, I said this to someone not long ago, and they kind of said thought that I was a little shit, but being good at two events is really annoying because you go to a national championships and there's a heat and a final for both events, and you got to run four races in four days. That is really taxing on the body. And say, for example, in Olympics, if you want to make the heat semi and final in both events, that's six events in six races in you know maybe seven or eight days. So it is pretty shitty having to worry about that, but. I don't know. I feel like my PBs and what I've been able to do over both events, or maybe actually maybe not because I feel like I've you know got a Com Games bronze, but my PBs are almost identical at being competitive on a global scale. So I really can't pick. But I think for Tokyo, I'll probably try to focus on one event, and if the other one happens to go well as well, I'll I don't know. I'll see what Is happens. Is there one that you sort of enjoy more? No, that's the thing. I equally enjoy them both as much because I feel like the 800, it's so intense. Like you're only out there for a minute and 45 seconds and it's get out hard and you feel like you're just running quick the whole way. Whereas mm. the 1500, on the other hand, is like, it's a build up. You know, you kind of get out quick and you kind of chill for a lap or two and then it gets quicker and quicker. And then the, by the last lap, you're just absolutely flying. So they're completely different and I enjoy both of them and I really like the training for both of them. I, I can't pick them at the moment. <laughs> it would be absolutely exhausting. But in the heats leading up to the finals, do you go all out or do you actually save some energy in the tank for the yeah. final? It depends where you are. I mean, like, for the Olympics or the world champs because there's a, a both, like, the, the hardest competition you can do. You know, I feel like for an athlete like me, like, to go qualify through the heats and then through the semis, you're going to have to be going flat out. Whereas there's some people who are going to win the Olympics and who are at that level, they can kind of cruise through. At an Olympics, world champs and all that, I feel like you kind of have to be going out almost in the heat in the semi and then hopefully have something for the final. On the other hand, though, for the, say, like a national championships where we have a heat, sometimes a semi, usually I'm a, you know, kind of a, at the top end, well, I'm at the top end of the, the 8 or the 15, so you can kind of cruise around a little bit more in the heats. Do you ever check the clock? Never in championships or never in racing. If I'm racing just to win, I never really care about the times. But, you know, when I have to qualify and stuff like that, I do worry about times. But, yeah, ne- never at a national championship, so I'm worried about the time. What advice do you have for other athletes out there who want to make it? Yeah, pretty open-ended question, isn't it? I'd say one thing that I definitely learned over the past, like, leaving coach and joining a new coach and stuff like that is... I feel like you have to have 100% faith in whatever system you're in. So if you have a coach and they have a theory which is a bit different to the norm, I feel like you have to be 100% all in. And if you're not 100% all in on that, you're kind of beaten and it's just not going to work. So I say that's a big thing. I'd say another thing is try to absorb as much information as possible from older people because that's what I did when I was younger. When I was like 12, 13, 14, I'd just literally pester like, you know, Olympians and just say what about this what about this what about this and and I even do it now like you know I was overseas in Europe and I was kind of around coaches and athletes and I was literally just asking questions just because I feel like it it makes you a better athlete and a better and a better person and then I think as well as that is specifically for athletics is you got such a short window to be a professional runner it's pretty hard to be running once you're past 30 it's just a lot harder younger bodies can kind of reach new levels quicker so I feel like you kind of have to put all your eggs into one basket and give it a good crack when you can because when you get older it's it's a lot harder to kind of run well than when you are as opposed to younger I suppose. Well appreciate you joining us today Luke and all the best for the national champs and hopefully Tokyo 2020. Yeah thanks thanks for having me guys I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Sport Tay. We'll be back next week with more.